I've definitely made the choice in some scenarios not to come out. So I think a lot of people who aren't in the community forget that you don't just come out once. You come out every day of your life in every situation. You get onto a bus, you go to a hairdresser. What does your partner do? What does your wife do? What does your husband do? Whether I put my lanyard on for work on a train, like th- there are elements of coming out every day that you, or a mental load that you carry every day. My name is Kat, and I'm a person living on Woiwurrung country and working with Midsummer Festival. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the lands on which this podcast episode was recorded, the Wadawurrung lands of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to elders past and present. I would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the various lands on which you live, work, and play today, and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. We recognize the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Always was, always will be. The episode you're about to hear is with Ashley, born into a theatre family. Ashley is a lesbian and a seasoned arts professional currently filling the important role of the community engagement manager of the Victorious Pride program at Midsummer Festival. Ashley talks about the mental load of having to continuously come out to new people throughout her life, as well as about the importance of gathering stories and respecting queer histories as part of the regional activation program. Say hi to Ashley. I'm Ashley. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a lesbian. What does pride mean to you? I think pride for me is feeling safe enough to be open walking down the street holding my fiance's hand and not feeling like I need to let go because I'm unsure of my surroundings like that's that's pride and I think that's why I love things like carnival and Victoria's pride because you're just in a space that feels so safe that it doesn't matter what you do doesn't matter where you come from what you look like everyone's got that kind of collective understanding and safety and you can just be yourself has it been a particular person in your life that's been quite influential in you coming to understand who you are? I was very, very lucky. I have very supportive parents and I never really had to come out to them. Um, We all grew up in theatre. Mum had lots of gay best friends growing up. So I literally just brought a girlfriend home one day and it was a non-event, which is a pretty exceptional and privileged place to be. But I also wasn't out in the community and I wasn't engaging with queer things during uni. So I had a best friend who was out and about and just started taking me to gay bars and I went through my little second puberty and started wearing plaid and bandanas and like went to that outer edge of expression and then kind of found my way back a little bit. But that person definitely introduced me to the community and mm. and was a good friend and, you know, made me watch all the, made me watch the L word and, but I'm a cheerleader and kind of indoctrinated me into the world that I was never kept out of, but I was never a part of because I didn't, I feel like there's a lot of people in my position who are privileged to have supportive families so don't feel like they need to find that family elsewhere so don't aren't necessarily as involved in the community as much because they're not seeking or searching that extra support so to have someone like that who maybe didn't have a supportive background and was already in that world to bring me into it was was lovely yeah Mm. kind of my fairy god gay yeah (laughs) yeah 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 I mean yeah that's amazing that you had such an understanding 
Very, very lucky. It's not everyone's experience, yeah. but um, yeah. yeah, my dad's worked in theatre as a like lighting technician and production person for many years. And mm. I remember him telling me stories that well, he's bald with a little goatee and he used to work on the Australian Ballet and the little dance boys used to leave roses on his desk for him because they thought he was adorable. <laughs> and dad being completely comfortable in his masculinity, which right. again is a very exceptional thing, was would just, you know, take them home yeah. to mum. <laughs> It wasn't an issue, which is lovely. So uh, very lucky in that regard. Ah, so yeah. you've kind of followed in their footsteps. I have, yeah. They told yeah. me to run the other way because the arts isn't super. Um, I mean, you don't you don't do it for the money, you do it for the love. Mm. But if you love something, you kind of, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Dad and I work together a lot and we work very well together, which is lovely. So yeah. having, yeah, having had that experience, what would you say to people, parents whose kids will come out at some stage? I don't know. It's hard. I've heard, I feel like... That's another thing that's fun to have queer community, not fun, mm. supported to have commu- queer community around you because you can share those stories and you hear so many variations. I'm very lucky because I think my parents were aware. They also weren't worried. I've been very lucky as well that my parents haven't had any particular expectations for my life. And I feel like that's a lot of the time parents or caregivers are grieving what they had planned and that's where the anger and sadness comes from which is not great for a child to hear and feel but I think there's also an element of understanding from the person making that news that you've spent years or months questioning and grieving what you thought your life was going to be as well and you're going on like I'm not going to marry a man and have a white picket fence like I think the expectation is and you know particularly for the millennial generation there is still that expectation you've got to fight in your head and a lot of internal homophobia of expectations so when you finally come to that decision and you're brave enough to tell someone and they react with frustration or or fear or sadness you get very defensive and very angry so I think there's an element of understanding from the person coming out that that may be a reaction and it may not be homophobic and it may not be directed at you, but you've got to understand there's a little bit of grieving involved for people that have maybe planned your life already. Not that that's a healthy thing either. Like I've been able to choose my career and do that thing and my parents haven't had a lot to do with that, which I'm grateful for. But some people have a baby and they've, they're like, this is what's going to happen. They're going to do this, this and this. And any variation to that, whether it's coming out, choosing a different career, there's an element of grieving involved in that. So maybe try and grieve in your own time. Be supportive, swallow whatever you're feeling in that moment and then go and cry and yell to someone else. Mm. Like they don't deserve to hear that. Mm -hmm. They're being brave. They've done this already. They've done that grieving sad process. Um, It's okay for you to feel that. There's not anything wrong with you feeling that. But maybe don't do it to the person who's just been exceptionally vulnerable with you because I don't think that's fair either. So I think there's something you can do on both sides. Acknowledge that there's grieving from the person coming out and do your grieving elsewhere for the person that's listening. I think, mm. yeah, find a friend, you know, other parents, whatever, a counsellor, whoever that needs to be, to have those feelings, to process them. But that coming out person isn't there to coach you through that. And even though you've had that positive experience growing up and, and having really understanding parents for yourself, have you felt in other times of your life, people not accepting? Um, I've definitely made the choice in some scenarios not to 
come out. So I think a lot of people who aren't in the community forget that you don't just come out once. You come out every day of your life in every situation. You get onto a bus, you go to a hairdresser. What does your partner do? What does your wife do? What does your husband do? Whether I put my lanyard on for work on a train, like there are elements of coming out every day that you, or a mental load that you carry every day. So there are definitely scenarios or non-arts jobs that I've had that I've just chosen to either lie or be very neutral with my language um, just because either it's not that I feel like I'm unsafe. I just feel like the conversation is going to be a rough one and I don't have the mental capacity for that. So I don't think I've ever been um, stigmatised or I've never I've never had violence toward me. I've, I'm very lucky for that. Um, for a good many years I had long hair. I dressed pretty feminine so I could pass as a straight person. I was lucky with that. If I was feeling uncomfortable I could just tone down the gay. Not everyone has that privilege as well in physicality or voice or um, that kind of thing. But I think I've definitely read situations where I'm like, I'm not either ready to have that conversation. I'm assuming there's going to be a particular s- response, which is not always the case. And that's on me too. Mm. But yeah, there's definitely been places I've toned myself down or, you know, said that my boyfriend's an architect or something mm. just to, you know, to move forward because it's not worth having the conversation in a butcher, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> it's, this is not the place oh. I want to have that chat. <laughs> Does that feel like, are you waiting for the world to be where you don't ever have to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's sad, isn't it? It's really. It is It is sad. And like, I, I think it's really positive that particularly, I used to do a lot of touring through um, primary schools and seeing the change in language and education in primary schools really fills me with a lot of joy and hope, um, even to do with like their respective pronouns and educating that early on. And, like, it's that classic thing. It's like kids aren't born racist or homophobic. They're taught to think that way. Um, Mm. Society teaches them to think that way. And, like, talking to friends who have, like, tweens and teens at the moment and how they just, they've got this friend who's non-binary, got this friend who's Mm. transgender, and it's just a non-issue. I'm very, like, talking to people that are, like, part of the community or close friends that I just know will have those opinions. Not everyone does. But it just, it seems to be more that it's a non-issue and you don't... Like there's no, there's not necessarily coming out. Like there's still conversations happening, but it's not like, oh my gosh, by the way, this is a big part of my identity. There's not, there's not an expectation that you're heterosexual or an expectation that you're cisgender. It's like at some point you will decide where you fit. It'll take as long as it takes. And when you, when you fit somewhere or fit nowhere, let me know. And that's kind of the journey it looks like it's taking, which is really exciting. Mm. Um, but I think regional rural areas, particularly schooling, because it's up to the teachers to take that on, are a little behind, which is which is sad. Um, and it's not everywhere, but it just it's up to the individual what element they teach, how they teach it. So it'll be exciting when it catches up and everyone's on board and it's just not something that's special or unique mm. or a token box or what have you. It just is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think regional areas would be tough in some particular yeah, yeah, not, ev- not everywhere, no. but it's up to the individuals that live yeah. there and how everyone operates. How long have you been working for Midsummer? Uh, this time, about two years. Okay. Um, but Midsummer is actually one of the first gigs I had when moving to Melbourne from Queensland. Um, so I started as a crew member back in 2011 and I've kind of worked on and off for them over the years between gigs, which has been lovely and, yeah, I've been sitting there now for two years. Was there a lot of 
Like coming into an organization like Midsummer, was there a lot of personal learnings for you or personal growth? I think the first time, like, it was fun to be around people that I didn't have to put up any kind of walls around. There was a certain expectation, um, certain base knowledge that you could just expect everyone around you to know. I really love that working in the office now, that you keep up to date with how things are moving, how the LGBTQI plus acronym is sitting at this current time, um, the discussions around pronouns and politics. Um, I like being a part of that because if, if you're outside that world and you're not engaging with it all the time, I feel like you can get a little bit left behind. So it's good to kind of keep up with that. And I really love the discussions we have in the offices and um, even silly ones like the name of some of the shows, like Peanut Butter and Jelly, and we just get to like yell these obscene or ridiculous awesome. titles around the office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, it sounds like a dream job. It is. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like it's a great organisation, um, really supportive team. Everyone just gets in there and gets it done. We acknowledge that it's a stressful period, but it's not forever. And my particular job in terms of connecting communities with professionals or mentors or, you know, providing funding to help things progress. Um, that's what I love doing. So, yeah, absolutely dream job. And are you focusing on regional Victoria mainly in yeah. your role? Yes. Yeah, so the the key role of the community engagement manager in, in Midsummer, but specifically for Victoria's Pride, is to activate the whole state. So it's to make sure that whether you live in Geelong or Fitzroy or Mildura, that you're a part of... Victoria's Pride and that you feel that this is a statewide celebration um, and also there's not a lot of funding around or financial support around for some of these organisations. It's either kind of festival funding or it's seed funding but there's nothing there to develop things further. So I think that's what we're looking at for the next three to four years is looking at how people can develop the concepts. So we're not necessarily going to provide financial support for, for doing the same thing every year but if you've identified a gap or a, a need in your community that you can slightly switch it up and do it again and try it again and try and progress it, that's what we're looking at because it's those creative troubleshooting, creative programming, strategic thinking that doesn't really exist because people are trying to do their jobs around full-time jobs and families and all the other things that happen. So hopefully we can support in progressing things. Mm. Yeah. Working in that area, what are the issues or concerns that you're hearing from regional communities? A lack of funding and a lack of support. So a lot of the feedback we're getting is that people are running their LGBTQIA plus organisation in the afternoon after their full-time jobs around other volunteering positions. They've got other volunteers around them. Everyone's, you know, like that metaphor in terms of a duck on water that they're looking like they're going all smooth and underneath they're just paddling fast and they're not getting a break from that. Um, so they're all paddling furiously, trying to do these amazing things. Their communities are loving it, but there's a lot of burnout and a lot of people having to step back. Um, and a lot of time, not everywhere, but a lot of the time there's not someone to step in to fill their shoes that has the same knowledge, that has the same drive, commitment to their community. Um, and things kind of either take a back step, slow down or disappear altogether. Um, there was a situation in Mildura recently where one of their big pride organisations had to fold for various reasons and then us trying to interact with them, they're like, there'll be a phoenix from the ashes and we're like trying to find who that phoenix is and what exists there now for those people to gather with. So having a central point at Midsummer with Dane and I to be able to kind of track those changes and try and get in contact with who's new and, and try and support them in growing um, is what we're trying to do. <laughs> But, yeah, better funding, 
full-time positions at some of these organisations, even if it's just one, um, to keep things moving would be a huge help. But, again, a huge financial investment. (laughs) I don't know where the money's going to come from. (laughs) Yeah. And what most excites you about this project, the Pride Finder, touring regional Victoria, and why do you think it's so important? I think it's incredibly important to gather stories and gather, gather people's stories, whether it's historical or current, to start a trend of respecting queer history and noting it as important, keeping it for later because, you know, we don't have a lot of queer history from any kind of history. Like there's there's bits, you know, queer erasure and gay erasure is a thing. Like there's historical stories that people were like, oh, they were just best friends. And it's like, oh, let's think about that at a like um, academic level and think about actually they're probably a couple and just because they weren't married and living in the same house doesn't mean that they weren't best friends. doesn't mean that there wasn't, but there's just an expectation around those things. And as we discover more stories about history and, and secret letters or um, secret swimming parties in the Murray River, like there's all these things that are, that are coming out from different places in Victoria that we just wouldn't have known about had we not started this project. And I think if you start, it will continue and it will gather speed and, and the respect Um, and value of those stories will increase. And particularly with the Pride Finder, it's on wheels. So there's a lot of places that either don't have a queer organisation or don't have access to those kinds of parties. And if we can deliver them something that gives them a space to gather and a space to share where they don't have something that exists already, I think that's really important as well. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are like, um, particularly through the marriage equality debate, they're like, oh, queer people don't live here. It's like they do. You just don't know Mm. because they're not, they don't feel safe enough to be there. Whereas we're saturating the state with queer activations and queer things and proving to people that they do live here and they're just like you and we're not violent or dangerous or what some people say paedophiles, which is obscene. We're just other people (laughs) in the world and there's not much difference. But just having those events and having people out just living their lives and being proud and queer um, and expressing what pride means to them will make such a difference in communities. And what we're seeing, even over the first two years, is that places that only had one event last year have three this year because people are feeling brave, they're feeling confident. Councils are coming out and support other businesses in the area. Like, oh, yeah, I'll give you some money to do that because it's just evidence that it's happening and and it's around, which is exciting. So, Mm. hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What are you most excited about moving forward from here? More acceptance, more patience more conversations like not everything has to be a debate as much as people love them like you know um you can disagree with someone and still respect their their opinion I don't think that all opinions need to be respected if you know what I mean it's kind of counterintuitive but there's you know there's there's a difference in opinion I like sauce on pies you do not like sauce on pies than, you know, basic human rights. So I think there's some things that are not up for debate, but then there's others that people just need to step back on and be like, it's okay that we're different. Um, and I respect that about you. Uh, and just, I don't know, more arts, arts funding, more queer arts funding, year-round stuff. It's all kind of clustered in one end of the year at the moment, which is exciting because there's like a, a flurry of pride and rainbows and that kind of thing. But then you get past... March, April, and then it kind of chills out for a bit. So it'll be good to see things happening all year round, everywhere. Just more more smiles, more happiness, more acceptance. Great. That was lovely. Yeah. 
podcast is released every Tuesday and Friday and could not have been possible without the support of our local community partners, Midsummer and the Fair of Victoria portfolio of the Victorian State Government. Throughout the series, you will hear firsthand the successes, hopes, dreams, fears and struggles of diverse members of our community. Pridefinder, the Rainbow Road Trip, was a travelling project commissioned during the 2023 Midsummer Festival as part of the State Government's initiative, Victoria's Pride. Helen Thomas, an award-winning creative audio producer, journalist and queer ally, developed a mobile story studio with the purpose of encouraging connection, cultivating empathy and preserving people's experiences. As much of Victoria's queer history relies on verbal recount, Midsummer, Helen and the Pride Finder connected with regionally living LGBTQIA plus Victorians to help capture their unique stories. These conversations are frank, honest and reflect the language, thoughts, history and opinions of the individual. Views may not be shared by Midsummer or the Victorian State Government. Please keep yourself safe and refer to the show notes for specific triggers related to each episode. If something in this podcast has made you feel uncomfortable or brought up challenging feelings, please seek support from a loved one or from one of the helplines listed at the bottom of the show notes.